morning crypto good morning warriors hello and welcome back to another episode of your favorite crypto news channel good morning crypto where we bring you the most relevant and impactful crypto related topics from the top crypto research team in the world i'm your host abs joined by one member of our 3t family this morning we got gonzo also known as super g joining us today and we might have nft tones joining us later in the episode so i'm very excited for today's show Today on Good Morning Crypto, we'll be discussing how Fidelity has launched commission-free crypto trading to millions of retail investors throughout America, as Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen responded to the claim that this banking collapse will monopolize the American economy. Coinbase chief legal officer has decided to step away from XRP, indicating that his platform has no rust to relist this digital asset, while BlackRock CEO Larry Fink is calling for crypto regulation, stating this new technology will transform financial markets. And with the consolidation of banking happening before our eyes, we break down the details, showing our community how this transformation is creating the bull run of a lifetime. Our show is available on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Music. And for those of you listening via podcast, our show is live on YouTube Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern at the 3T Warrior Academy channel. So Gonzo, it's just me and you today, my friend, but don't <laughs> worry. We've got a ton of stories to go over, whether it's Fidelity's Ethereum trading, the Shiba Inu founder exposed, and so much more. How you feel, my friend? Thanks for being here. I'm feeling outstanding, man. It's just, it's me and you today. I actually kind of did my hair a little bit. I was going to wear the hat, you know, but then I was like, you know what? Let me just go ahead and do my hair. So it's just going to be me and abs and, you know, we're going to rock the show today. So it's Friday. Happy St. Patrick's Day, everybody. I'm not wearing any green, but uh, yeah, man, it, it's going to be a great show. It's going to be full of content and uh, yeah, love you guys. I actually had no idea it was St. Patrick's Day until you just said that, Gonzo. So happy St. Patrick's Day, everybody. And we're going to start this show off the same way we always do by showing you our Good Morning Crypto Twitter account. That's at 3TGM Crypto on Twitter. We're at 3,043 followers. Go smash that follow button. We love talking to you. The Bitcoin Fear and Greed Index is in neutral this morning, sitting at a 51. And when we check out some of the daily movers, green bubbles across the board. CFX is up about 12%, STX 14 and IMX 16%. When we look at the total coin market cap, we are sitting at 1.12 trillion this morning. Bitcoin is 45% dominance. Ethereum is about 19%. We've got Bitcoin sitting at 26,300. Ethereum, 1,700. XRP is 37 cents. Cardano's 33. And we'll scroll down to Quant Network here, sitting at 126. Took me a second to find that. But guys, we got 138 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And we're going to tell you exactly what's causing this bullish momentum. Gonzo. I just saw Bitcoin touch $27,000 this morning before the show. Maybe you can tell some of our listeners why you believe that took place. Yeah, you know, I think the name of the game is liquidity, right? Uh, we're, we're seeing the market uh, rally, whether it's the narrative with the banks and the insolvency and uh, people kind of finding Bitcoin. Because right now it's a Bitcoin show and all you have to do is kind of look at any of the Bitcoin pairs. Like if you look at BTC ETH pair, you can see that BTC is running against uh Ethereum, right? And I think it's like that on, on all the different pairs, right? But eventually that liquidity is going to go into that. But, you know, there's a lot of different narratives, right? Uh, I was looking on Twitter. There's this whole kind of QE, like quantitative easing narrative that there's going to be all this money because of that new program with the uh, Federal Reserve. I think it's called the uh, Bank Fund Term Program. And basically what the banks are doing is they're, when we talked about this before, they're backstopping um, all of the depositors, right, in the smaller banks. And the way that they're doing that is you have these banks that got exposure to these long-term treasury bills. And so now they're able to take a loan against those treasury bills um, uh, uh, 
with the Fed, right? And so pe that people are translating that into liquidity into the market. Plus, you have the raising of the rates, right? I think the market is pricing in somewhere between, it's, I think it's 50-50 or something, between their 25 or zero, right? If we get zero, obviously, the market's going to rally. I'm kind of leaning towards 25. And so uh, I think the market would still do well. Obviously, we get 50, the market gets crushed. Um, and then you have like everything that's going on with CZ, right? CZ had that billion dollar fund that he turned over to BOSD and he's starting to deploy that capital. Uh, and then you add that with the Arbitrum airdrop that depending on what the price of Arbitrum comes out to, you're talking about maybe let's say that Arbitrum comes out and the price is about a dollar. You're talking about maybe another billion dollars going into the crypto market. So I just think that like the energy in the market right now is very bullish. And this kind of just goes into the overall narrative of what we've been talking about, this automatic rally, right? The automatic rally taking us into the end of April, May and the eclipses, and then something happening that brings us back down, right? Um, and then uh, we'll see where we go from there, right? Absolutely. And we're going to start the show off by showing you a very interesting interview yesterday. This is chief the, the chief legal officer at Coinbase telling the world that they're in no rush to relist XRP because they don't have the cojones to stand in court. The, the ruling from the judge is in favor of Ripple. Will Coinbase then say, make the assessment, you know what? It looks like uh, things are moving in the direction of XRP and, and Ripple and so forth. Relist XRP or a restart trading? It's possible. Um, it would all, of course, depend upon the basis for the ruling, um, the, the judge's legal reasoning, our assessment of whether or not an appeals court would affirm that decision. So a lot's going to depend on the, the, the particulars of, of how that court rules. I know that's not going to be terribly satisfying to some, um, but you know we do have a responsibility as a publicly listed company to, 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 to tread carefully um, in this area and, and with respect to any token that's the subject of federal court litigation. So I'd love to pause it there just because there's a couple of things that stuck out to me. Number one is that Coinbase just filed to be involved in a new lawsuit claiming they've never sold an unregistered security, but we know that they sold XRP back in 2020 and were quick to delist it after the XRP lawsuit. A second thing that sticks out to me here, Gonzo, is they're talking about the appeals process that's going to take place. And we've indicated this many times before. What, what may happen here is what nobody wants to happen. A, a settlement doesn't take place. Whoever loses appeals, which will most likely be the SEC, and this thing gets dragged on another 24 months heading up to the Supreme Court and eventually into Congress. But the, the bright side of all this is, is that after all that litigation, there will be no question about it. We will have hard regulation for XRP specifically and many other tokens that have the same protocols and guidelines. So I'd just like to get your thoughts there. What do you think about this possibly heading to the Supreme Court and the fact that Coinbase is in no rush to relist this token? Yeah, well, you know, they're a publicly traded company, so you know they're going to be very logical. And I, I saw the interview that Tony Edwards did. He did a great job with the interview. And they basically said that they're always evaluating whether they need to list something or delist something, right? It's a constant evaluation process. And they're just waiting to see how the thing plays out. But what he's saying is, while he thinks that Ripple is doing a good job, he, he does believe that this thing could get extended because there, unless there's a settlement and this goes to jury trial, um, somebody is going to win, right? And then there's going to be an appeal process. Uh, and then who knows if this thing goes all the way up to the Supreme Court, which could extend us. Maybe it extends us a year, maybe two years. But here's what I'm going to say about this, right? If I told you, and Coach JV's talked about this, if I told you that all you had to do was wait two years and then you would make life-changing money, 
who wouldn't do that, right? Like who, who would not do that? If I told you like, hey, you just got to sit tight for two years, maybe continue to dollar cost average. But in two years, it's going to make life changing money. Because at the end of the day, if this thing goes to the Supreme Court and we get a new Howey test or we get some set rules that now they can't mess with XRP, isn't that worth the wait? And so I, I think as human beings sometimes, and I'm guilty of it too, we get very impatient, right? But patience is the name of the game. And at the end of the day, if we get some kind of ruling or we get a new Howey test to where it not only helps XRP, but it gives clarity to the rest of the market and we all make life-changing money, dude, I would wait five years, right? Like I'd wait whatever it took to make that life-changing money and just, you know, wanted to throw that out there. And we got a great comment from one of our listeners here. They said, personally, I don't care about the lawsuit anymore. Ripple and XRP are moving forward and doing huge things outside of the United States. But the reason I think it's important to follow this lawsuit is if we get the green light in America, you're going to see crypto custody go to an entirely new level. We're going to see banks like JP Morgan, Bank of America coming to investors like us and using our liquidity to facilitate payments, which is so exciting. But we got 224 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And Mentelect is completely correct. Ethereum is still listed on Coinbase despite being sued. But the second the lawsuit was filed for the SEC with Ripple, they immediately delisted it off their platform. And these couple of statements only build upon that, Gonzo. So Coinbase doesn't list securities, but we would like to. We even petitioned the SEC to begin a rulemaking issue this year. We put forward 50 questions that would be needed us to be answered in order to list securities. What happened? Gary Gensler didn't respond to the email and Coinbase was left hanging. I want to remind people as well, they've already claimed that the insider trading allegations are true. There were people inside of Coinbase getting basically figuring out that tokens were going to be listing. They were going to go purchase those tokens off the open market and then dump on the open investors once it was listed on Coinbase. That's what we call insider trading. So that was illegal and Coinbase did admit to that. But the fact that they're saying they never sold an unregistered security, I think it's a positive sign. What's it mean to you, Gonzo? Yeah, I mean, when you talk about the lawsuit or, or them claiming that Ethereum is security, and I'm not saying that it, 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 it's not or it wasn't rolled out of security, uh, but it's the New York State regulator, right? And so maybe that's just specific to the, the state of New York. Maybe that's why they haven't doing it. I mean, I don't know. Like, you know, we'd be guessing on what Coinbase's decisions on why they choose this and why they don't. But it just seemed very unfair that as soon as that Ripple got sued, they delisted it. And then now we have a lawsuit against KuCoin for selling an unregistered security, which is Ethereum. And they haven't made, uh, you know, they haven't mo made a movement yet, right? They, they have come out w with that announcement. But um, I, I think it just goes back to us being patient and that the, whatever happens with the Ripple case is going to have a huge reverberation across the space, right? And Coach JB has talked about this where he believes that we're going to get some version of a new Howey test. Um, and, you know, we can't restate that enough. Whatever happens, the best thing that could happen is we get some kind of settlement, right? And then we get the clarity that we need. And then secondary sales are not a security. And then we all win. But if it ends up going to trial and, somebody wins, there's going to be an appeal process and this thing can get extended out. Absolutely, Gonzo. And we got 230 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And BitBoy Crypto did some investigative journalism yesterday revealing the founder of Shiba Inu. But I want to paint the picture here with another important video from one of the biggest accounts in the crypto universe. Coin Bureau did his own investigation and found some pretty revealing information on the founder of Shiba Inu and the connections to Ethereum. So we're going to let this short clip play and go back to the group here. Here we go.
finishes with a rare photo of Vitaly Buterin in Japan, presumably during DevCon in 2019. The man in the brown jacket is apparently Ryoshi himself. If this is true, then Vitalik may be the anonymous friend Ryoshi credits for creating the Shiba Inu smart contract and providing the initial ETH liquidity for SHIB on Uniswap. More importantly, it's not just Vitalik who's in that photo. Ethereum Foundation Director Aya Miyaguchi is also seen walking with the group, which presumably contains individuals of similar stature. Regardless of who Ryoshi is, it's clear that he has close connections to some very important people in crypto, and this means that he's not just some anonymous developer who came out of nowhere. Finishes with a... There you have it, Gonzo, and I think it's one of the reasons we've seen such a big push from people like, I guess, Elon Musk and other big influencers with Shiba Inu. Everybody loves this token, and I think we got a little indicator as to why. What do you think about the founder being connected to the founders of Ethereum? So if you watch the BitBoy video, then he actually named the creator, and his name is Named Jihad, is it? I, I probably just totally hacked that out. But basically what BitBoy talked about is he got – so this all started with something called Karma Dow, which SBF was kind of part of. There's all kinds of different listening uh, um, influencers and people that are in their space that were part of Karma Dow. And basically that's where this, this, this whole thing came from. And basically BitBoy said – that um, his inside source is inside of Karma Dow, right? And so those messages from the Telegram group weren't copies, but they were forwarded to him. They were able to, he was able to kind of track back the original. I think that's the post right there. So what, what, what BitBoy was saying or what Ben was saying was that, because I know I didn't see what CoinGirl put and he's insinuating that somehow maybe that Vitalik is involved. According to the Telegram group and the messages, that the whole thing of sending the half of the supply to uh, Vitalik was a publicity stunt, right? And, and, and if you read the, the messages, the whole thing was to get press, to get the project going, right? Um, and so it's a little bit, I, I, like I said, I didn't watch Coin Bureau's video, but like, yeah, that's what BitBoy was claiming, that he has somebody from inside of Karma Dow, and you gotta go watch the video to get all the details, but the actual address, um, off of Etherscan was there and the actual transaction that went to Vitalik and them talking about the transaction that, hey, they're going to get a lot of press because of this. But I know originally they had insinuated that it was SBF, but it wasn't. I think he was involved, but uh, yeah, it was Named Jihad. He is Ryoshi. That's what Ben's saying. Very interesting, guys. And we're going to show you a video now about Janet Yellen being put on the hot seat yesterday. We are seeing the great consolidation of banks take place. Small banks are going under and big banks are coming in to bail them out and take over their assets. Well, Janet Yellen explains what her plan is to combat this issue. So we'll play this short clip and go back to Gonzo here. Here we go. What is your plan? Right. So, so what is your plan to keep large depositors from moving their funds out of community banks into the big banks? We have seen the mergers of banks over the past decade. I'm concerned you're about to accelerate that by encouraging anyone who has a large deposit in a community bank to say, we're not going to make you whole. But if you go to one of our preferred banks, we will make you whole at that point. Um, look, I mean, we're, that's certainly not something that we're encouraging. That is happening right now. That is happening because depositors are concerned about the bank failures that have happened and whether or not other banks could also 
Um, no, it, it, it's happening because you're fully insured no matter what the amount is if you're in a big bank. You're not fully insured if you're in a community bank. Well, there's the answer right there. Why would anybody put money in a small bank if they know their money could be fully insured if they go to a centralized entity like Bank of America? This is a process we've outlined many times before, and I want to give a shout out to Coach JV. He's talked about this for years. Before they roll out a CBDC, they're going to centralize the banks and then push the CBDC through that centralized entity. So there's just so much to talk about here. When she, when she <laughs> talked about the consolidation of banking, for example, like why would anybody put your money in a small bank if you can't have anything over $250,000 that's insured? She doesn't have a response to that question because nobody's going to do that. So what we're going to see is the monopoly of banking take place right before our eyes. All these billion trillion dollar companies are going to go to the same five or six entities and all the small banks around the world and around America specifically are going to get wiped out. But guys, we got 252 live listeners joining us. Show us some love, smash that like button, and we're going to tie this in to the Federal Reserve's new instant payment system that's coming in July. Before we do that, Gonzo, give me your thoughts. Yeah, dude. I mean, come on. It, you know, Janet Yellen, you would think somebody like you, you could have predicted that that question was going to come from Congress and you would have thought she would have been better prepared to answer it. But because there is no plan, she couldn't answer the question. Right. And if you go back in the history of these events, right. in 2008, everything that's happened, that's what you continue to see more and more of the smaller banks go away and the bigger banks are consolidating power, right? You even have this thing where like, you know, JP Morgan is gonna rescue First Republic where they're giving them money, but they're just trying to appear as the hero because think about this, they loan them the money, the money goes into the bank, right? The smaller bank. And what are those depositors gonna do, right? Because they, they, they don't trust the bank. They're gonna turn around and take that money and take it right back to the big bank. So even when they like are trying to be the good guys and they're trying to loan them money, they understand what they're doing. That money is going to go into the small bank and it's going to end up in the big banks anyways. And all it is is just consolidation of power. Absolutely, Gonzo. And we got a special guest joining us in the background, guys. NFT Tones is in the building. Good morning, Tones. Thanks for making time for us, my friend. I did click the mute button, so I just want to remind you. Uh, how you feeling? And thank you for being here. I'm feeling fantastic. And did you notice a change? It's not the NFT God anymore. It's the NFT Lord. But nice. what's up, everybody? It's great to be here, uh, feeling fantastic, excited for all the news that's coming. If you've been paying attention to Gala, they've been releasing playtest after playtest, and it's really, uh, it's really exciting to see what they have coming. Um, I'm excited for everything that's been happening in the crypto world. We can see a ton of games, tons of stuff moving forward. And it's really exciting to see because it's a great push forward for NFTs and all stuff to come with crypto. Absolutely, Tones. And when you want to talk about a great push, Fidelity gave us that yesterday as they quietly went live, giving millions of retail traders access to free Bitcoin and Ethereum trading. I am not kidding here. Commission-free trading for retail investors if you go through Fidelity. So guys, check out the groundbreaking news for today. Fidelity's crypto firm has finally opened to the public, giving millions of users access to Bitcoin and Ethereum investments. All waitlist users now have access to this new protocol and Bitcoin and Ethereum transactions on the app are completely commission-free. Fidelity's digital assets will collect a spread of no more than 1% in this new deal. So Fidelity's digital assets quietly opened access to Fidelity's crypto to the masses recently. Millions of users can now access and trade Bitcoin and Ethereum completely commission-free, Gonzo. And this is available to now all customers in available states. They're still working on which states are going to accept these new protocols, but 
millions of people now have an incentive to buy and trade Bitcoin and Ethereum with basically no commission, which is so exciting. I'd love to get the news from you. What do you think this means for centralized entities like Coinbase, Crypto.com? Should they be concerned? Well, I mean, I think overall for the space, it's good because it brings liquidity into the market. Um, you know, I have a buddy that does stocks and uh, he has a Fidelity account. And I was talking to him this morning and I was like, hey, uh, check it out. See if you can um, buy Bitcoin and Ethereum because, you know, we're in California. He hasn't gone back to me yet. So I don't know if it's available in California. Um, of course, you know, you can't withdraw your crypto, right? It's, so it's almost like a Robin Hood situation. But I'm not surprised that they're doing the zero fee thing. Because what they're trying to do is bring people that are a little bit more crypto centric into their platform. And then that they're hoping that they stay and they start trading stocks or other things like futures or whatever. And then that's how they get you with the fees, right? They get you in uh, with whatever you like, and then they get you to stay. And then they start charging you different fees like that, kind of like how the banks work and stuff. But um, I'm not going to say it's a bad thing. Uh, um, I think it's a, it's a good thing overall. It's adoption. Right. And at this point, I'll take any type of adoption. What's interesting about that article, too, is they said they slowly rolled this out throughout a couple of weeks and now it's officially live to millions of investors throughout America. But look at the Bitcoin price chart. In the last week alone, we've went from about nineteen thousand nine hundred all the way to twenty six, just below twenty seven thousand dollars. And I would like to think that this new retail trading access has something to do with that. But Tones, how do you feel about Fidelity giving commission free trading to millions of Americans all around the country? I mean, it's huge. Like I've been saying, we're going in the right step forward. I mean, this just gives more access to Americans to actually get their foot into the door. I mean, before people were scared and it was hard. It was hard to get into um, crypto and stuff. You had to go through exchanges and it was a pain in the ass. I still can't get my uh, new M&T card to work for uh, crypto.com. So it's a pain in the ass. Then you got to get on the phone and call them. So Hopefully, uh, by doing this, this will allow retail investors and normal people to actually get into crypto and have it be a lot easier than to do what we have to do or what we had to do. Definitely, Tones. And people are asking, how many how many retail investors exactly got access to crypto this week? That would be 37.1 million retail accounts now have access to purchase Bitcoin and Ethereum completely commission-free. And the full launch will happen over the past couple of weeks. But by the end of the year, they're expecting this to be a full-blown, fully accepted protocol where retail investors are comfortable with this new technology. And I think that's just going to be one of the many catalysts we have going forward. And BlackRock CEO Larry Fink seems to agree. BlackRock CEO argues that the U.S. is lagging behind and as interesting developments are happening in the crypto space. And what he says in many emerging markets today, we're witnessing dramatic advances in digital payments, bringing down the costs and advancing financial inclusion. Larry Fink says developing markets, including the U.S., continue to face high payment costs due to failure to keep up with the advances of the digital ecosystem. Many developing markets, including the U.S., are lagging behind in innovation, leaving the cost of payments much higher than some of these underdeveloped nations. Crypto needs regulation, said Larry Fink. And he also says that the digital technology has the potential to transform financial markets. So Gonzo, another powerful statement from Larry Fink here. And this is the second big statement he's made throughout the week, promoting not only blockchain technology, but cryptocurrency, which is really exciting. I'd like to hear what it means to you. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's super bullish for the space. Uh, I mean, we all know how we feel uh, about BlackRock, but we always tell people, you know, follow the money. Um, and, he, and he's not wrong. Like, this is where we're going in the future. Uh, you know, I think we're still early, but, you know, the tokenization of assets and the tokenization, tokenization of securities 
is kind of like is where we're going right and so um these are just more markers um that that tell me that we're early but that we're we're in the right space right and then we just have to let this thing play out once we get the regulation clarity right we've talked about this that we're in the then they fight you stage and then they after that comes then they join you right and i think a lot of 2023 and maybe even 2024 is going to be then they fight you stage um but once we get that clarity um is when you get like an influx of money when you're talking about the sovereign wealth funds and the retirement funds and they feel safe and comfortable to put one five percent of their portfolio because they don't want to cross the SEC and they get regulatory clarity is when we get a huge influx of money that comes into the into the asset class. And one of our listeners commented that he literally just listed the BRICS nations countries, India, Brazil, and other parts of Africa are the ones that are most advanced when it comes to digital payments. And Tones, I'd like to get your thoughts on this. We saw last year, Saudi Arabia began settling oil trade in something other than the US dollar for the first time since I believe the 1960s. And what do we have going on here? BRICS nations and other underdeveloped countries are creating their own payment systems to operate outside of SWIFT and outside of the United States jurisdiction. So I'd like to hear your thoughts. Is this a concern for you that many of these underdeveloped countries are actually getting a leg up on the United States? I mean, it, it is a concern. I mean, it's definitely kind of scary because if you look at it, the U.S. dollar keeps losing its value. And it, I think it's only a matter of time before it's not the world exchange currency anymore. So it's kind of a very scary thought. So the other thing to think about with this article is the U.S. has been lagging behind. And it, the question that comes to my mind is why? We're usually a very techie, techie savvy country and we're usually always ahead. So it's just it's just kind of interesting to see that we're lacking behind here and we're usually generally ahead of the game. Absolutely. And Gonzo, I want to get your take on this. Do you believe it's a coordinated or a planned attack? The U.S. is purposefully falling behind. We could easily be promoting this new technology and promoting regulation. Instead, we have commissioners at, at the uh, SEC focused on getting bags from the crypto space. They're coming after these companies, suing them for millions of dollars and expecting them not to have the money to fight in court. So these are easy settlements for the SEC. They just made $30 million from Kraken. I believe they made $26 million from EOS last year. There's a plethora of these different developments going on. And it's no surprise to me that the SEC commissioners are pushing this technology out while the other countries are inviting it in. So really briefly, what do you think about BRICS nations developing their own payment systems outside of the U.S.? Yeah, you know, it, it does seem like, uh, you know, I can't tell. It does seem like they're doing it on purpose, right? Um, but there's sometimes what I think about is, is it the infighting, right, between the left and the right, and they can't get their shit together that, that's causing this, right? And I said this before, I think I said it yesterday or during earlier in the week, that like, if you look at most American people, I think we fall somewhere in the middle where we lean a certain way on a certain subject matter this way, and then on a, on a different topic, we lean this way. But at the end, we're somewhere in the middle, and our politicians have become so extreme, whether to the left or to the right, that they can't agree on anything, and it's affecting us. It's affecting the country, and it's affecting uh, what happens, and we're falling behind. Now, there is a theory that once the U.S. gets their shit together, that we can quickly catch up, right? That remains to be seen, but there is this theory, I've heard people talk, or economists talk, that once we do get our shit together and we get regulatory clarity that we can move quickly. But uh, that remains to be seen, dude, because the way it looks right now is 
these other countries are moving way ahead of us. And what's interesting is this guy keeps saying it's Congress, it's Congress. We understand that Congress needs to pass litigation in order to tell the SEC what they should and shouldn't be doing. But the SEC is going out of their way to take control of this market before Congress has said anything. So it's it's an interesting narrative going on here. We've even had uh, Gary Gensler come out and say he doesn't want Congress to pass new regulation that way, the SEC can take control of this market. But guys, we got 272 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And all of these statements correspond perfectly to the rolling out of central bank digital currencies. And central bank digital currencies transactions are set to reach $213 billion annually by 2030. So currently, we have $100 million in annual value being passed through CBDCs as of 2023. And this is radical growth of over 260,000% reflects the early stages of the sector, currently limited to pilot projects, which is really interesting because we know that they are going to be rolling out a CBDC product later this year. We had news from the Federal Reserve. So while I pull that article up, Gonzo, how do you feel about these predictions, $213 billion annually by 2030? You know, uh, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, if you look and you see all these different projects or these different countries that are starting to test out CBDCs, right, the Chinese are way ahead of but you, you keep seeing all these different news that, 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 that we talk about where they're starting to roll out their version or testing out their version of CBDCs. So I can easily see that by 2030, we've got full implementation of some type of CBDC uh, and you've got all the money that's uh, flowing through it like they're estimating. Absolutely. And this is an interesting comment here. The U.S. dollar has lost 20% of its value in the last two years. Well, that collapse may be accelerating as the Federal Reserve is set to launch their instant payment system in July of 2023. So in the first week of April, the Federal Reserve will begin a formal certification for participants of the launch of their FedNow service. Early adopters will complete a customer testing and certificate program to prepare for the sending of live transactions throughout the system. In June, the Federal Reserve and certified participants will conduct a production validation activities to confirm the readiness for the July launch. The FedNow launch, which will enable every participant and financial institution in America to offer a modern instant payment solution, also going to drastically reduce the cost of payments. So, Gonzo, the fact that they're coming out with a product very similar to a CBDC without calling it a central bank digital currency it's slightly concerning for me. It seems like they're slipping in through the back door. Before we discuss the fundamentals of this, I'd like to get your thoughts. Is this the, should we react the same way to this product that we would a central bank digital currency? You know, Abs, um, I said this yesterday. I haven't done enough research on the FedNow system. I know that Johnny last night was on with, uh, with on Jenna's show. They had their own little show, Late Night Crypto or whatever. And, um, you know, I was asking about, like, you know, what is the tie with FedNow? in Sephirium, right? Because I've heard people talk about it, but I just don't know. But on the surface, without doing a lot of research, and I could be wrong, it does seem like that's, that's what's happening, right? Is that they're rolling out a system because it doesn't use blockchain that is preparing us for a CBDC, right? To see how it works and maybe how people react to it. Uh, but again, I, I don't know enough about it. Maybe the chat can talk about it, but it didn't seem like anyone that talked on the show last night like there's insinuate like everything else that we do with blockchain right where we find little little nuggets here and there and we make the connection points it seems like that's that that that's what's going on with that with cypherium and fed now but there wasn't like a direct connection now that could be wrong i don't know like i said maybe somebody in the chat knows but um i i think it's just um you know we're trying to connect the dots and doing the best possible um and so you're gonna have to do kind of your own research on that 
Definitely. And what's interesting here is that they're fully planning out, planning on rolling this product out by the end of 2023, available to over 10,000 financial institutions in America alone. NFT Tones, I'd love to get your thoughts on this article as well. This is not a central bank digital currency, but it has many of the same functions that a CBDC will. Is that a concern for you? or Are you excited about this product? Uh, This is definitely a concern to me. So what this seems like to me is this is their kind of like experiment. I think they're going to experiment and see what happens with this Fed Now program. They're really trying to push it. Um, they're really trying to get a lot of people, it seems like, on board. And I think it's just kind of scary because the more people that we see doing this, I mean, it's a good thing. Don't get me wrong, because we're going to see, we, we're seeing the use case for crypto. We knew it was going to come. Johnny K has always said crypto bad, CBC good is what they're going to show us. And we're seeing it here now, and I feel like this Fed now uh, service is just the beginning. I think we're really just scratching the surface here. They're just scratching the surface here, and I think this is just an experiment. I think we're going to see a lot more things happen in the future. Here's what's concerning for me, Gonzo. With the FedNow service and the Federal Reserve creating a leading edge payment system that is resilient, adaptive, and accessible, but it's also not open to the public. This is a completely private product that's going to be operating outside of the blockchains that exist today. And this is the biggest concern that many of us have as retail investors. Why wouldn't these companies like BlackRock and the Federal Reserve develop their own private blockchains to facilitate transactions on? That's what's happening right here. The Fed didn't go to XRP or any of these other large firms and directly work with them. Somebody commented about a Volante partnership that is also partnered with Ripple. That's some great insight. And I completely agree there could be a connection there. But what they've indicated in this article is they're not leveraging blockchain technology for this new payment system. So to say that they're going to be using XRP, I'm not, I think it's a stretch. I would love to say that. I'm a huge advocate of XRP. I just I don't see it within these articles. But Gonzo, I'd like to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, you know, uh, that, that's always sort of the fear, right? There's going to be a closed system that we won't be able to invest in. Um, you know, the problem with those systems is usually the trust thing, right? And that's what usually a lot of the cryptocurrencies solve, right? Is the immutability or that, you know, you don't need trust. And so you're able to move these cryptocurrencies um, from one thing to another, right? Uh, in, within the smart contract. Uh, and so... Yeah, you know, we're going to have to see how it plays out. Like at the end of the day, all we can do is speculate and make the best assumptions possible. And but like we always talk about, that's why it's good to have what Johnny always says, multiple horses in the race, because at the end of the day, um, we don't know which ones are going to be there at the end. I think it's going to be a multiple thing um, at the end of the day. But um, yeah, that's the thing. Like what happens if it's a continuation of Web 2? which are closed gardens, right? Uh, and it's a closed system that we can invest in. But um, at the end of the day, I, I don't think that that's where we're going, right? I, I think that maybe we will have that, but I think we'll still have the other stuff, right? I think we'll still have decentralized and we'll have the ability to be able to still invest in some of these ecosystems. I don't think it's all gonna be uh, closed off. That's just my opinion. I think you're, I mean, it's a, it's an interesting debate, right? Nobody knows for sure, but what it is concerning for me here is why would they allow the retail to make massive profits off of their financial product? So if they are going to be using something like the XRPL, I just, I don't see the incentive for them to not develop their own product. And that's what the Federal Reserve is doing. They've said it before and they'll say it again. There's going to be a private system for the financial institutions and there's going to be a public system for the sheeple like us. But guys, we got 292 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. NFT Tones, give me your thoughts 
on the decentralized version of crypto versus the centralized. Are you concerned that companies like BlackRock and the Federal Reserve are creating private blockchains and private ledgers instead of leveraging many of the projects that exist in the open market? I mean, you can already see they're making private ledgers and stuff. And it, it's really concerning because they're they're staying away from decentralization and they're moving it more to centralization. And it's it's difficult because the whole point of crypto was for it to be decentralized, right? So they're they're taking it away from the people and they're putting it back into the hands of themselves. And it's it's not fair because crypto was meant for it to be for the people. And I think we need to really stand together and make a stand for this kind of stuff because this isn't right. Absolutely. And Gonzo, the last detail in this article, I think is worth noting more than 10,000 financial institutions directly use their Fedline network, which is going to integrate into the FedNow instant payment system. But guys, as we prepare you for the bull run of a lifetime, especially coming in 2025, we're going to show you the smartest way to track your crypto. Have you gotten wrecked in the crypto market space or watched your crypto portfolio go all the way up and then all the way down without taking profits? If so, it's probably because you didn't have an exit plan. The good news is that doesn't need to happen anymore thanks to a new and innovative crypto tracker called Merlin. It's the smartest way to track your crypto. Merlin brings all your coins into one place so you can see all your assets across the different exchanges on one screen. You can see your total portfolio value and more importantly, your daily gains, losses, and total since inception. Merlin puts the power back in your hands so you no longer have to guess what your portfolio is doing on a daily or monthly basis. Most importantly, Merlin lets you create an exit plan and sends you notifications when your targets are reached so you no longer have to get wrecked in the marketplace. Go to MerlinCrypto.com, that's MerlinCrypto.com, and sign up for our free 30-day trial and get on the wait list so you can receive an email when the product is launched. Don't miss out on this new and innovative app, Merlin. It's the smartest way to track your crypto. It is the smartest way to track your crypto, and it's going to be necessary when this market takes off in 2025. History doesn't repeat, Gonzo, but it often rhymes. And if we see anything like we've seen in the past, we are getting many indications that we are currently reaching a market bottom. And so when this thing comes, when we see Bitcoin breaking all-time highs, that is when you should be starting to take profit. And most of your friends and family are going to be telling you they're purchasing Bitcoin at that point. I can remember back in 2020 when I first bought Bitcoin, I believe it was August of 2020, so whatever the price, I think it was $9,000, I, I was so heavily criticized for purchasing cryptocurrency at the time. Only six months later, those exact same people who were criticizing me were coming to me asking what they should purchase at much higher prices, and I really think we're going to see the same thing. So guys, check out the Merlin link down below. 30-day free trial, absolutely unlimited access. Go check it out. We love creating products like that. I want your feedback. So let's continue with the show here. And I'm going to show you a very interesting video, another addressing of XRP from the chief legal officer at Coinbase. Token holders crowdsourcing and causing and having an impact on the case via attorney John Dean. I, I didn't see that coming. I'm like, wow, there's like 70,000 plus uh, XRP holders and they're all on Twitter and all. <laughs> so it's a very different dynamic. Have you seen anything like this before? And what, what do you think the impact will be moving forward? Once again, it doesn't have to be XRP. It could be Cardano. It could be whatever. Um, what do you think about that? No, no, to answer your question directly, I have not seen anything like this in, in, in my experience. And um, again, um, even though uh, you know, many of many of the holders of these tokens and the fans of the projects uh, are quite aggressive and quite vocal, um, I respect what they're, what they're trying to do. 
Um, in a lot of ways, Tony, this is what democracy is supposed to look like, right? Regular people weighing in on important issues that impact their lives. So I have a ton of respect for um, what that community, what all of these communities have been able to do in terms of influencing the direction of the litigation, the arguments that can be made, even the mastery and in, in, in the, in the um, uh, building of the record um, of, of evidence in the case. It's really quite impressive. And attorneys like John Deaton and others, I think, have done an excellent job um, representing. Uh, shout out to John Deaton. That's, a, that's an awesome shout out there. But guys, it reminds me of a quote that I saw this morning, and it's from Thomas Jefferson, one of our former United States presidents. He said, I believe the, I believe the banking institutions are more dangerous to our liberties than standing armies. If the American people ever allow private banks to control the issuance of currency, first by inflation, then by deflation, the banks and corporations that will grow up around them will deprive the people of their property until the children wake up homeless on the continent their fathers had conquered. Now, that's a really dramatic quote, but I like the premise here because we're seeing it happen before our eyes, Gonzo. Private companies are absorbing this market and we're seeing banks become centralized just before crypto adoption. There's no such thing as a coincidence. There's only unrecognized patterns. I think we're on to something. What's it mean to you? Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty powerful statement. It's almost like you could like look into the future of what was going on, right? As you get the consolidation of power with the banks and even these corporations, right, that have gotten so big, right? They talk about so uh, too big to fail uh, and, and it's come true. Um, I do want to address a very good point that Veteran Crypto brought up a little while ago, and I think you, you flashed it up there, where he talks about whether it's CBDCs or like the FedNow system, that all these systems around the world are going to have to talk to each other. And that's why we love Quant so much, right? Because it's not a blockchain and it's the connection point. So if anything, we might be able to, maybe if they close off the system and we can't invest in the closed system, we will be able to invest in the connection point, right? And that's why we love Quant so much. So I just wanted to, to point that out. That was, a, that was a good call, Veteran Crypto. Absolutely, Gonzo. And here's another interesting detail. As the federal judge has just rejected the SEC, sorry, the SEC's attempts to claim that cryptocurrencies must be regulated by them. That's some pretty exciting. I want to give a shout out to this judge. I'll find him or her name later. But NFT Tones, what do you think about the SEC getting rejected when it comes to regulating cryptocurrencies? I mean, this is huge. Their job was never to regulate uh, cryptocurrency. So this is really big. Um, I feel like that what really needs to happen here is a new branch or a new form of government needs to be formed here to take a specific look at these cryptocurrencies because they're just too different. And this is why we need new laws and regulations to be formed is because the old stuff does not work for the new technology that's coming out. So we need new laws and stuff to actually come out to actually understand how these fundamental new technologies work. Unless we understand the fundamentals, then new laws can't come out. And so that's why people need to understand this technology before we can make laws and stuff. And this is really big because we need this to happen. We really need laws and stuff to come out so that then we can get uh, pushed in the right direction. Absolutely, Gonzo. And I think Fidelity signing up for retail investors, that's just another bullish catalyst that speaks to the exact same narrative. But guys, we got 261 live listeners out there. Show us some love. Smash that like button. and Check out the last article we have for today as Cardano is upgrading their blockchain massively this year. We're going to break down some of the details. So the Cardano blockchain has reached its new no released its new node version, V1356. So that's a mouthful. 
A block producing node is responsible for producing blocks in the blockchain, while a relay mode communicates other relays and broadcast blocks from block producing nodes. So what this is going to do is streamline the communication between blocks, not only speeding up the efficiency of Cardano, but not allowing failures to happen as easily and also avoid malicious behavior. So I'd like to get some thoughts from you, Gonzo. Are you excited about Cardano and what's this development mean to you? Yeah, you know, the thing with the Cardano is it's, it's you know, it's slow and steady. It's going to be there, right? They're going to continue to push out their upgrades. They're going to continue to like, uh, I feel like it's like a rock, right? It's just going to be there. They're going to continue to push out their upgrades. And then eventually we'll see who wins the race, right? Uh, I know that, you know, the Ethereum upgrade for the Shanghai thing is coming out on April 14th. Um, and so uh, how it relates to price action, we'll wait to see. I, I think that more has to do... Not so much. We've seen this with, with the upgrades where we have an upgrade that rolls out, especially when it comes to Cardano, and it doesn't really move the price. And I think that has to do with just more the overall market. And depending on what happens, like with Bitcoin, if we, if we continue this automatic rally, then I, I definitely think that you know, the Cardano price is, is going to move. Here's another interesting detail just to close out the show here, Gonzo. He said there are troubling reports of crypto companies having their bank accounts closed, often with no notice and no explanation. They've struggled to open new accounts as well. This is a disturbing trend that suggests that regulators are trying to cut crypto out of the banking system. And I think there's clear evidence of that with Janet Yellen's statements there. They're not concerned about pushing crypto out of the states because they're planning on rolling out a centralized product of their own. This is a little bit more evidence of that. What's it mean to you, NFT Tones? Uh, mute button, Tones. What did you say again? I, I missed it. So they're centralizing. The centralizing of banks around the world is coinciding perfectly with the launch of a CBDC. And regulators are pushing crypto companies out of the United States by not allowing them to register with banks. This is clear evidence after the collapse. Are you concerned? Yeah, I am concerned. I mean, we, we can see that it's being pushed out. And I mean, it's really scary because like we know CBDCs are bad and we know that they're going to be pushing for CBDCs more because we know it gives them more power. So it goes back to the thing of centralization and decentralization. And like I said before, we want crypto to be more decentralized because it puts the power back into the people. Right. And the more it goes centralized, it makes it harder for us to do that because then the power is in the uh, government's hands. So we really need to, we need to take a stand before everything becomes centralized. Absolutely, guys. And we're going to close this show out the same way we always do by saying thank you to each one of our guests. Thank you to Gonzo. Thank you to NFT Tones. And thank you to all of our live listeners out there. We got 258 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. We'll see you guys in 23 hours. Like we always say, actually, it's a weekend. So we'll see you in 72 hours. Like we always say, Warriors, 